Coming up on the WAC Podcast, we are back after a little time off from the podcast, not time off of work, let me tell you. WAC football is here. We had media day. We'll tell you all about that. Colby Carthel made an appearance on that Paul Feinbaum show. Utah Valley picked up a major award. And who's the greatest football player in WAC history? We'll tell you next on the WAC Podcast. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode is presented by Hercules Tires. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. I'm Kendra Sheehan alongside Eric Danner. Turn down the <laughs> the audio because Turn down we, for what? We are hyped. Turn down for what? <laughs> We are hyped. <laughs> the podcast, it's back. It is back. Did you guys miss us? <laughs> Probably. I mean, I mean, what are people doing doing People their were tweeting at us, like, they, they were like, bring it back, hey, bring it back. Hey, when I do my cardio every morning, I listen to the WAC podcast. Where's it been? Let me tell you where it's been. It was in Houston, Texas, the Woodlands, to be more specific. Yes, it was. For WAC Football Media Day uh, not too long ago. And that was on July the 19th, and Stephen F. Austin, the pick to win it all in WAC football this year. Yeah, that was uh, certainly a fun time. So we had we broke it down into three rooms. So our first room we had was a, a typical press conference that was streamed to ESPN Plus. And, um, you know, you just have you have the player, two players and a coach from each team. And then we had a one-on-one room where you were at and you were asking players kind of featurey story, I you know, questions. And then we have the social media room where – uh, some of the guys got to attempt to draw their own logos, which was quite entertaining. Check out our TikTok if you haven't, at Wax Sports. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. A good chance to meet some of these players and coaches in person, which I had not gotten to do. And Kobe Carthel, of course, Stephen F. Austin picked to win. He was great to speak with. You know, he, he had talked about how it just – you know, it wasn't too long ago that they were in the bottom of the league and now they're picked to win. It's like, holy cow, can't even believe it. And he's a funny guy. So even made an appearance on national television. So, yeah, I mean, it was overall a good time. I'm hyped for football. <laughs> Week zero right around the corner, the 27th. It's this month. Week zero will be the weekend. Yeah, you you mentioned the national television. Uh, Colby Carthel getting an appearance on the Paul Feinbaum show. I mean, uh, which is SEC Network, yeah. ESPN, um, encompassing the WAC. So thank you to Paul Feinbaum for getting Coach Carthel on the show. And they are picked to win. They're in the top 20, and they get to play Jacksonville State, another top 25 team. Now, Jacksonville State, similar to Sam Houston, transitioning from FCS to FBS, not eligible for the NCAA playoffs this year, just like Sam Houston. So if you're wondering why Sam Houston wasn't in the preseason coaches poll. That is the reason why, since they, uh, with that transition, they have more scholarships than are allowed for FCS football. So that's why they're not allowed for the playoffs and not allowed for the conference championship. Yeah, and that that brings a whole another element to Sam Houston's season. It's going to look a lot different because you know they they are they're not playing for the WAC title. They're not playing for the FCS championship. But head coach Casey Keeler had mentioned that. 
you know, the the players know exactly what they're doing this season. Their their goal is to obviously have a strong season, but set them up so that when they make that transition to FBS, it is smooth sailing, and then they can play at that highest level. And so he said that the guys, you know, especially those seniors, don't really look at it like, oh man, it's our senior year, we can't even play for a title. He's like, no, you know, we have a we're building a a program, a dynasty here at mm-hmm. Sam Houston, and you guys are at the forefront of it. And he pointed out that to these players who, who came back this year and the new players who transferred in, that when they come back in 10, 20 years, when the school is full-fledged FBS, they will have done it, you know, with their blood, sweat, and tears, you know, yeah. of those players. And, of course, they won a national championship spring of uh, 21. So they, they've they had a lot of success, and it'll be a little different for them this year. But, like you said, this is going to be the most important Battle of the Piney Woods, maybe ever, because we don't know when we'll see these two teams play again between Stephen F. and Sam Houston. I know. NRG Stadium, It's it had moved to where the Houston Texans play because it just had gotten so much traction. It's the I think it's the longest uh, standing FCS rivalry. I believe that's it's correct. 90, yeah. This would be the 99th. 96th, 96th. Let's fact check that. Uh, But, uh, you know, regardless, been going on for a while. And so both head coaches were like, man, you know, I think they both, they understand the rivalry, they respect the history, and that maybe will be a non-conference matchup in the coming years. And so as part of that, we are shooting the WAC football preview show, working on it as we speak. As we speak. And you you and I were both all waiting. And uh, Shelby Green, now Shelby Herndon. Yes, congratulations. Were, uh, getting married. Our yeah, co-worker. One of our co-workers. <laughs> she, um, so anyway, we're, we're at NRG Stadium shooting the show, so stand-ups in various places around NRG. It was a little steamy uh, in Houston. A little would be putting it mildly. It's, uh, but, but it was a thank you to the hospitality of the people there at NRG and um, all the different places we got to see, and I had the best water i've ever had there okay i mean i have a question about this water so is it from around here is this rocky mountain water it's a, water? when i when i read the label it was from idaho oh yeah. okay yeah regardless we had hot day picture this super hot day we're dying outside sun is beating down and we are gifted this aluminum bottle of ice cold glacier water yes don't know how we would feel if we were just chilling inside not <laughs> dying if it would be as good I think but it was, it was at fantastic. that moment best thing to ever happen to us it was and, and still is to still this point is. i still look back and remember that first sip <laughs> now uh, one of the other things to keep an eye on here so uh, in our second segment we're going to replay your interview from media day with Southern Utah with head coach uh, Delane Fitzgerald, also uh, their quarterback Justin Miller, and then Zach Strand, who has the distinction, and, and we're, we're hoping to find this out, being the only player to play Division One football, Division Two football, and Division Three football. Yeah, his story is pretty crazy because Southern Utah obviously new to the league this year, but Delane Fitzgerald, new head coach this year, and he came from a Division Two school where which uh, was division three also which was division yeah. three and that's where zach strand had played and so when he made the when coach fitzgerald had made the transition to being the head coach of this division one southern utah he brought zach strand right along and and the two of them are just uh ready to take it to the next level and see if they can keep up with the uh, speed of play at the division one level i think they they will attempt to do that 
the other so we mentioned Stephen F. Austin picked to win. Abilene Christian picked number two. New head coach Keith Patterson coming in. I mean, right away get get that number two spot. He was an interesting interview as well, Kendra, because I know he he talked about when being fifty eight years old, not getting, you know, maybe the opportunities at, you know, an advanced age, I guess, as he put it, in uh, the coaching world, but getting that head coaching opportunity after being a D1 assistant. He was at Texas Tech last year. He was at Pittsburgh. He's been at some major programs over the years. Now he has the chance to take over the reins at ACU, and I know they're expecting big things this year. Yeah, it was no surprise. He was certainly emotional at their initial, Abilene Christian's initial announcement kind of press conference where Keith Patterson was brought up, and and he he gave a speech, and he, yeah, he was like, you know, I never – I never thought that I would I would be a head coach at a collegiate program. I thought that that time had, had long passed me by, but he certainly seems to hit the ground running. And he, he's a guy that really struck me as he really wanted to connect. So when, we, when I was talking to him at Football Media Day, he was talking about how, you know, those first few days he set up an appointment with every single one of the team. I think one of them was at like 5 a.m. with, <laughs> with uh, Anthony Smith, the uh, running back that was there. And so they had spoke about that, the two players that were there, Anthony Smith and um, he had said that you know he, he it was such a it was like he wanted to get to know me he had they have so much respect for each other already and I think that's so crucial is you got to build that respect coming in and of course this guy uh Keith Patterson has a big defensive background he was a defensive coordinator at Texas Tech and so we kind of figured we kind of asked him about you know okay are you you more of a defense-minded head coach and he said that's that's where it gets tricky I gotta I gotta kind of switch from that I gotta I gotta look at all all sides of the ball I can't I can't just be on my defensive mm-hmm. mode you know like that he used I, to I wish he would have told that to Vic Fangio of the Denver Broncos last year oh. gonna take a shot at the <laughs> former Broncos coach here. number three Tarleton the Texans, Todd Witten, the head coach, they, uh, you know, are in their. This will be their third year, uh, going from D two to D one. They have a big game on their schedule. First time they're playing a Power Five opponent, and this will be kind of a landmark game for the Texans this year as they go to TCU and play in Fort Worth. Yeah, you know, how how far is how far is Tarleton to Fort Worth? Yeah, uh, about an hour and a half. Not oh. even that. Probably hour fifteen. Okay. Not bad. No, that that's certainly a huge matchup for them. I think a, the bunch of the guys were were pretty excited because you know it's a chance to play in that in that stadium. And um, Kendall Durth, the offensive lineman that was there, said, you know, hey, it's a chance for us to be like, hey, we we're we can be we can play D one. Now you're playing a really 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 mm-hmm. tough D one opponent. But, hey, you know, depending, you can measure success in those games in a variety of different ways. It doesn't just have to go by the score. So their new topic, fourth, and again, we'll hear from Delane Fitzgerald and the Thunderbirds coming up in our next segment. Built-in rivalry right away against Utah Tech, formerly Dixie State, just down the road, St. George to Cedar City. And they're going to have an opportunity to play home-at-home this year. Both teams, the way the schedule worked this year, they're going to play twice this year. And, man, that is such a rivalry. Hopefully, fingers crossed, that I'll be at one of those hey, games. Road tripping. Road tripping. We'll Can't see. say kicking it with Kendra, but <laughs> 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 but um, hopefully because, you know, they talk about how close those two schools are and how how much the community buys in. I think, I think um, you know, both, they'll, both teams will travel well, so it should be great great environment at both of those games and and they're so funny because both both head coaches are just like yeah we hate them 
<laughs> we can't wait to play him because we hate him so much. And Paul Peterson, uh, the Utah Tech coach, used to work at Southern Utah. So there's there's, it's good-hearted fun. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they do uh, they do peck at each other a little bit there. 60th anniversary of the Western Athletic Conference has come and gone, July 27th, 1962. The conference became official with uh, Paul Breckler as the commissioner and the original six schools. Let's see how well Kendra knows her history. Oh, okay. I know one is Arizona. Yes. New Mexico. Who's, who's Arizona's rival? Arizona State. Yes, the other there one. you go. New, New Mexico. Mexico. Yes. Um. Oh, my gosh. Okay, hold on, hold on. I just looked at this because yeah. I'm – And then we just talked about Utah Tech and Southern y- Utah. 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 Utah, the Utes. Who's, who's their big rival? Utah Utes. BYU. BYU. BYU is another one. And, and then the other one, even though, again, the WAC was headquartered in Colorado, no schools initially in Colorado, but not too far over the border in the state to the north. <laughs> that's dangerous. I don't know. <laughs> What's the state to the north of Colorado? Let me think about that. Yeah. Brown and yellow are their colors. I used to live Idaho. there. No, that was terrible. Gosh. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You used to live there. Where did you used to live? Yeah. This is not. It's, li- it's only like an hour and a half away. It's kind of surprising you don't. Ah, do I have time to pull up a map on here, guys? I mean, if I give you the town, are you going to get the school? Yeah. Laramie. No. <laughs> Hold on a second. Oh, my gosh. This is Oh, rapid. Wyoming. Wyoming. Original member of the WAC. Thank you. <laughs> so so to recap, when you say, Kendra, who are the original ones? And I'm like, oh, boom, Wyoming, Utah, BYU, Arizona, Arizona State, New Mexico. There you go. Boom. Know my history. All six. So we had a contest. Larry. Uh, for, and so we divided into four eras. Yes. And we had fans vote. And so we had a 60-70s era. The winner of that was Mike Haynes. Uh, a lot of people might not remember him. He was a fantastic player. Arizona State was an All-American. Top five pick in the NFL draft. Pro Football Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame. Not very many people can say that. He came out of that era. In our 80s era, Steve Young. Steve Young. Now, you know Steve Young, right? I know Steve Young. Steve Young, Super Bowl champion. Was two-time WAC Offensive Player of the Year at BYU. Yep. Beat out the punky QB. Known as McMahon. Who also played quarterback at BYU. Hurts me. I mean, you talk about, when you look at that era, specifically from BYU, where they had Jim McMahon, they had Mark Wilson, who played 10, 12, 14 years in the NFL. Followed that up with Jim McMahon, Super Bowl champion, Chicago Bears, played another 15 years. Steve Young, Pro Football Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame. I mean, and then they had Ty Detmer, Heisman Trophy winner. They had Robbie Bosco. Unbelievable run of great quarterbacks at BYU in that whack era. In the 90s, then, we had Marshall Falk coming out. Marshall Falk from San Diego State, number two pick in the draft. Talking to Marlon Edge, oh, our officer, San Diego San State grad. Yes. And he, he tipped me off to this that Falk should have won the Heisman Trophy. Mm. And Lee Corso. On ESPN, the guy who puts on, you know, the the mascot head, yeah. you know, didn't vote for him. Oh, why is For that? the Heisman. So Marshall Falk finishes number two. Gino Toretta wins the Heisman that year. 
see, I think people forget about, you know, because these schools have gone Power 5, that they yeah. started, we launched their success. Well, they're not Power 5. They're in the Mountain West. but uh, Well, not not BYU, but I'm saying like, like yeah, Arizona, Arizona yeah, State. Yeah, yes. San Diego State, not. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, no, I guess that's I today. digress. Anyway, terrible cut in, Kendra. <laughs> Shush. And, the, <laughs> and then in the Stop 2000s, another, another era with a lot of really good players, because people kind of think, you know, hey, when the Mountain West, you know, when all those schools joined, including San Diego State, including BYU and Utah at the time, that maybe the whack fell off. Well, it did not. No. There were some great players. You had uh, David Carr number one pick in the draft from Fresno State when they're in the WAC. Mm-hmm. The winner of that era, Ladanian Tomlinson from TCU. All four years he played at in the WAC, and that was the four-year window that TCU was in the WAC. They did join the Big 12 after that and went to a Power 5 to uh, solidify your point there. Yeah, I was jumping the gun here because <laughs> I was thinking of Ladanian and TCU and Tarleton going to play TCU, and you. it's just spinning all these things in my so, head. So Ladanian faced off against Marshall Falk, uh, both pro football Hall of Fame, both college football Hall of Fame. LT moves on to the finals. Steve Young knocks out Mike Kane. Steve Young versus LT, and guess what? The BYU fans came out, and Steve Young, the goat of whack football, according to the fans. According to the fans, he is the goat. We, it was really kind of fun, though, to see, uh, you know, everyone kind of vote and, and bring, you know, we want to try and hype up the season as much as we can. So what better than to look back at some of our all-time greats and then to see what what new greats are going to come out of this know, league. Right? You know, we already have, you know, we, looked, we talked uh, about Devin Hafford from Tarleton that, you know, he went to the NFL. He Zion signed, McCollum. He signed with the Patriots. Zion McCollum, of course. First draft pick since 2012. Insane. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that, of course, as – NFL training camps are now underway. We have a handful of whack guys from last year who are in, in camps this year. Yep, also, wishing them the best. While we're, while we're away, a couple of new staff hires in the WAC as Tony Jones as our new WAC Assistant Commissioner Communications and Matthew Boyd as the new WAC Senior Director for Compliance. So congratulations to both of them. Uh, but a chance to work with Tony quite a bit already. He was at our football media day, comes over from the American Conference, had 14 sports that he oversaw there. So he's got a lot of experience with a lot of different sports. Prior to that, worked at Notre Dame for, uh, I believe, seven years there and is originally from uh, the Buffalo area, big Bills fan, and uh, went to St. Bonaventure. Bob Lanier. The Bonnies. Yeah. Well, Matthew Boyd, another great addition. He'll be more on the compliance side. And he spent the last eight years actually working in compliance offices across the country. Uh, most recently was at University of Northern Colorado, UNC right here. I'm sure he's um, excited to join us here. And he also he graduated from University of Missouri, Kansas City, uh, former WAC school. The Ruse. The Ruse. Also, congratulations to Utah Valley on winning the WAC Academic Excellence Award, which recognizes exemplary performance in the classroom by a conference member. And this is the second year in a row they have won it. Uh, they averaged a 3.3 GP, 3.38 GPA uh, undergrad students in their 16 varsity sports. So congratulations to the Wolverines on getting that award again. Yeah, that's tough to do, not only to do it once, but uh, to do it twice. Total 3.38. Go, you guys. Go, Utah Valley. You love to see it. 
Um, let's talk about some new hires. GCU hiring new tennis coaches. So it used to be one for men's and women's. You like that transition there? I do. Yeah, real good, real smooth. Uh, you, you scared me because I thought you were going back to the one we already did. Which one? Uh, Tony Jones and Matt. Oh, Wade. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're just gonna, yeah. New hires Circle again. back. Yeah. No, because uh, Greg Prudholm, the, the longtime coach at GCU, stepped aside, and he coached the men's and women's, and they have uh, split those up now between uh, – now they have two coaches between men's and women's. Yeah, very, very excited. We'll see where they take that program. It was, also, of course, very good last year, and so I'm sure that these two coaches will do a great job. How about the Major League Baseball draft? It was such a weird time because of the lockout. It had that um, it happened at the beginning of the season with Major League Baseball. It had pushed the All-Star game, pushed the draft back. So what are the odds that the MLB draft is happening while we are at Football Media Day in the Woodlands? So there was a lot going on. We had 11 WAC players drafted. Very exciting um, from, let's see, let me count them. I was going to say, how many different schools well, did we I have? I was going to point out Grand Canyon had four yeah. players taken including Nick Hall, was the first whack player to go off the board in the seventh round to the Chicago Cubs. That's right. I can't wait. I am a big Cubs fan, for those of you who do not know, though you he, should. He, he was a relief pitcher, led the whack in earned run average, 1.77. They also had Taylor Aguilar, went in the 15th round to the Yankees. Vince Riley went to the Oakland A's, and Eli Ankeny went to the New York Mets. So four players from that championship team. Uh, regular season championship team and NCAA team uh, going to the MLB. And I don't think we talked about this before the break. Andy Stankiewicz uh, has left GCU. Had we talked about that? Uh, I don't know. It was a while ago, but maybe this was in our hiatus from could, the could, podcast. Could have been. And uh, he's now at USC. So congratulations to Coach Stankiewicz. Great job. Had been at uh, GCU for a number of years. Back with their Division years. Two, yeah, uh, transitioning to Division One, getting them to the point where they got a an at large bid to the NCAA playoffs, which is back really to back NCAA appearances. Of course, our WAC tournament champions, New Mexico State, they had two players drafted, and uh, pitcher Ian Mejia went the eleventh round to Atlanta. For those of you guys that remember, Ian Mejia had made a splash when the Aggies were in the NCAA tournament when they were playing Oregon State. And uh, he was uh, cheered by opposing fans when he stepped off the mound for his performance because he really kept New Mexico State in it. At one point, they had the lead, I believe. And, uh, you know, um, just an overall incredible pitcher. And then they also have Sammy Natera. He went in the 17th round to the Los Angeles Angels. Very exciting. Two great pitchers for uh, the Aggies that are now in the draft. To follow up on GCU and Coach Stankiewicz, they did name a head coach. Right after he left, uh, Greg Wallace, longtime oh, assistant Oh, yeah, I was coach. jumping the gun. Okay. Uh, he has been uh, tapped to lead the GCU baseball team as their just their fifth head coach in program history. So over the years, they've had a lot of success and a lot of stability at that head coach position as well. California Baptist had three players selected. So we had Chad Castillo, who was a first-team all-whack outfielder. He went the ninth round to the Philadelphia Phillies. Pitcher C.J. Culpepper went in the 13th round to Minnesota Twins. He was, uh, And we have David Martin, who is also a first-team all-whack, and he went to the D-backs in the 16th round, and then Tarleton having one 
pitcher going Matthew Hickey. 15th round to the St. Louis Cardinals. In Sacramento State, the an affiliate member, better call Saul, Eli Saul. You guys remember. 13th round to Arizona. So 11 guys. I mean, considering there's only 20 rounds and 11 WAC players were selected, that's pretty good. And not only that, several WAC players were also signed to free agent contracts. Because the way it works in the MLB draft, you can get drafted after your junior year. You can either be drafted coming out of high school. I believe it's coming out of, if you go to JUCO, you can get drafted coming out of JUCO. And then if, but if you go to a four-year, they have to wait at least three years before they can draft you. So that, it's a pretty good system. Um, but if you happen to stay four years or five years now, you know, with the COVID year, yeah. um, you're, you're probably not going to get drafted uh, in terms of teams are looking a lot of times for younger players. Yeah. Uh, but if they do see something they like in you, they will give you that opportunity and sign you to a free agent contract as opposed to drafting you. And I know we had several players uh, fall into that category as well. Certainly. And, you know, we're wishing them all the best as they hope to climb through the rankings and who knows, make an MLB appearance and join some of uh, former WAC players that are making a name for themselves in the MLB. You know, I, I saw this guy named Aaron Judge. Have yeah. you been following him at all this year? I, I, you know, I'm not, I, hmm, it doesn't, I don't know if I've ever hey, heard of him. You just said you didn't know the state north of Colorado. Yeah, that's so. true. I mean, well, looking at this map of the USA, I have a lot of work to do in terms of, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, if you don't, I don't, not looking at a map every day, you lose it. You well, Aaron, lose Aaron Judge, it. former Fresno State player, played in the WAC, uh, was on the all WAC tournament team, a uh, team that won the WAC Tournament Championship, 43 home runs so far for the New York Yankees. So he's he's on a pace to uh, to do some things and was, uh, of course, a major league uh, all-star starter, uh, oh, yeah. potential MVP this year. So uh, just one of many WAC players going on to do great things. Absolutely. And, you know, as I pointed out the other day when uh, I was in your office, the, the board is up, the championship board where you you put who are you know broadcasts are you put little notes and yeah, who's that play by play who's the color who's that, that was a race because we were out of it but now we got cross country up there well, women's soccer yeah. men's soccer volleyball all coming up so fast it's it's now it's about that time where we all start to lose our minds a little bit <laughs> yes that's uh, that's fair to say i guess i mean but it's a good it's a it's good, a good thing time. It's a great because time because we're we're cranking it back up. Uh, Going to be back on ESPN Plus for all our football games. Was just putting that schedule together. A lot of volleyball games, a lot of volleyball matches this year. Uh, vast majority will be on ESPN Plus this year. So, shout out to our schools for making that happen and and making that commitment to having the standard be ESPN Plus for volleyball. Also. Uh, a lot of soccer you can watch on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, start the fall, and then when we get into basketball, of course, all the basketball, men's and women's games will also be on ESPN+. Plus. Speaking of ESPN+, Plus, you interviewed the Southern Utah football contingency, Dwayne Fitzgerald, quarterback Justin Miller, and Zach Strand. And we'll hear those interviews coming up next on the WAG Podcast. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for more than 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, 
Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Welcome back to the 2022 WAC Football Media Day. We have our first member institution joining us. Southern Utah, new to the WAC this year, and we have in his first year as head coach of the Thunderbirds, Delane Fitzgerald, and we have Justin Miller, quarterback, and Zach Strand, defensive lineman. Thank you all for being here. How excited to be at your first WAC Football Media Day. Excited to be here. Excited to play football in a month. Absolutely excited. Can't wait. Just what they said. Got nothing else. I mean, it's just excitement here, right? All right. Justin's a man of many words. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need a few more from both of you guys over here today. We want to know everything about this team. I'll start with you, Coach. First season taking over the Thunderbirds. You come to the WAC from Frostburg State University. We're head coach for 13 years. We're excited to have you here. What has it been like these first couple months on the job, getting the team to buy into your system and getting to know the guys? Yeah. I was the head coach of Southern Virginia for five seasons and then Frostburg State for the last eight. Uh, c coming to Cedar City has been great, as big and as nice a town as I've ever lived in, um, as supportive an environment as I've been in in my career. It's been good. Um, after seven months on the job, uh, what we found out is exactly what we have and what we don't have. And we're returning six starters on offense and five starters on defense. We return one specialist. We're excited about them as, as far as players and what they can do. Um, but we understand that there's a lot of work for us to be done to be competitive this fall and next fall. Zach, I want to go to you because you have a pretty close relationship with Coach. You spent the last four seasons at Frostburg. What made the decision to come to Southern Utah? I have a pretty good assumption it has something to do with the man sitting next to you. Um, didn't want to play for anybody else. Um, love Coach Fitz, like a father of mine. Um, so he has been a complete role model in my life as far as football goes and life goes. Um, so didn't want to play for anyone else besides Coach Fitz. Um, there were a couple other decisions that went into it, but yeah, primarily didn't want to play for anyone else. The recruiting tool was is he was actually getting 20-some hours closer to his mom. Mom <laughs> lives in California, and we use that as a selling piece. Coach Fitzgerald, what was the big push to get Zach Strand to this new team with you was it a hard sell or was he on board right away? Uh, he, he had some options when you've been as good a player as he's been. And he was, he was conference player of the year for us uh, out east and, and all-conference player three times. Started for us as a freshman on a team that made the Elite Eight in 2017. But he had options on places he can go. Um, but we knew he was looking to go to graduate school and to have some of his graduate school paid for. And we also knew he wanted to play as high a level as he could possibly play. And, and being in the WAC conference and playing FCS schools um, in Utah and in Texas, it's about as good as you're going to do right now. John Kelling, your new defensive coordinator, served under you at Frostburg State University. Zach, you also have some familiarity with John Kelling back in 2017 to 2019. How much familiarity with coaches does that help, especially being defensive linemen, having a defensive coordinator who you have worked with in the past? I'd say it kind of gives me advantage because I've been in the same defense for some years now. So I know the defense um, like the back of my hand, I should say. Um, so being in that same defense gives me a lot of familiarity, familiarity with what I'm, what I'm doing. And, um, 
kind of makes it a little bit easier on my side of things um, to get other guys on board and to get them knowing the playbook and things like that. So I tend to have a little advantage to help the other guys um, learn, the, learn the system and learn the defense. And coach, for you bringing John Kelling with you to Southern Utah, as well as now Blair Peterson, your new offensive coordinator, what made those two the right people for the job and how excited are you for this upcoming season with them? Yeah, I have a lot of familiarity with a lot of our staff. Um, They've coached with me, coached for me, played for me and all that in the past. So so there's a lot of uh, knowns with our coaching staff. And, yes, it makes it comfortable. With John specifically, uh, John was the best defensive coordinator in the country for us for five or six years at at Frostburg, did a great job. We inherited a Frostburg team that had given up 39 points a game the season before we got there. Sound familiar? Same thing we're doing at, at Southern Utah. Um, but but John ended up cutting it from about 39 points a game to four years later, it was 17 points a game. Um, coming to Southern Utah, that there were things to be fixed and things that we had to improve on, community involvement, alumni involvement. I was going to have to be involved in fundraising more than I've ever in my career. Um, recruiting things had to be fixed, and I was going to spend some more time on the road. Having a defensive coordinator that you know exactly what you're getting and when you're getting it, it makes things a lot easier. I know where John's going to be, when he's going to be there, uh, down to the point. I know what John's going to say in the first quarter if we're up seven, in the first quarter if we're tied, and hey, in the first quarter, if we're down 14, I know exactly what's going to come out of his mouth, and it just makes things better. On on Zach, um, Zach's probably able to coach our defensive linemen as well as anybody can coach him in the country because he's ran the plays a million times already. <laughs> and Justin, we're going to get you involved here. You're not just sitting here, our quarterback. Nah, hey, quarterbacks get too much credit anyway. We just leave him out. <laughs> Scoot that just, chair hey, over just yeah. a little bit. <laughs> just, just let him sit over there with his best Tom Brady look and just sit there. <laughs> Seems fine doing that. Wanted to ask you with the new coaching staff, how has it been trying to learn a new system and buy into what Coach Fitzgerald is trying to do here? Yeah, I think the buy-in wasn't too hard for me. Um, coming into it, we had talked with our old coaching staff, and one of the things that they told me was, hey, there's going to be a lot of guys that won't be part of this new thing that that is happening. Um, and I took that to heart. I said, I want to be part of this new thing. Um, I'm going to make myself part of this new thing. And whoever leaves, leaves. Uh, we'll move on, find new guys. And that's kind of what's happened. Uh, we had a lot of guys hit the transfer portal, a lot of guys just be done with football. But we replaced them. We brought in new guys, um, hopefully better guys, and guys that are willing to buy into this new program that Coach Fitz is implementing. Um, as for the offense, I think learning it hasn't been too much of a struggle. Um, growing up, I learned a lot of offenses, never really had a system that I was settled in um, until these last two years. Um, so learning offenses is kind of second nature for me. But uh, just putting a lot of similarities through offenses that I've ran before um, and helping me kind of already have taken reps um obviously a little bit different but just applying what i've already learned and the experiences that i've had to the new offenses has really helped me already justin's father's a football coach and more specifically an offensive minded football coach probably helps a little bit absolutely he uh he actually started on defense too so i got a little bit of that um he wanted me to be a linebacker but that didn't work out so he uh he moved over to the offense when i did 
So how much does your dad play a role in, you know, after each game, does he let you know exactly, you know, what you did wrong, what you did right, and preparing you for the new season? You've got a lot of new guys coming in, like you mentioned. It's a new head coach. You've got to build chemistry among these guys. Does he have any pointers for you, and how do you kind of navigate that as quarterback, as a natural leader on the team who people are naturally going to turn to in leading a group, especially with a lot of young people and transfers? Yeah, he definitely plays a role. Uh, we talk to him quite often. Uh, he's always calling me, asking for updates, and um, he always wants to know what's going on. Who did we get this week? Uh, did, did a new kid come in? Did we get another transfer? Um, he's always hitting me up with the latest news that maybe I don't even know about yet. Um, but he's definitely helped me with advice, um, how to be a leader. Um, he's definitely shown me the way there. Uh, being a football coach for so long uh, pretty much since I've grown up and he played uh, in college as well so he kind of knows the environment uh, to a point um, and then as a as a fo high school football coach now he goes through the same things trying to get leaders out and so I think it gives me a little bit of a coach's mindset almost um, he can tell me what our coaches are thinking what they're probably thinking um, and then he says hey this is what they're feeling, go go help them out. Uh, they're probably overwhelmed a little bit, take a little bit off of them, um, teach the offense to the new guys, whatever it may be, to step in a leadership role. But he's definitely had a big impact on my life for that. Now you have one guy on the offensive line that started all 11 games that returns this season. What adjustments do you have to make as quarterback with so many newcomers in the trenches with you? Yeah, yeah, we'll have a lot of new guys down there. Um, and. I think it'll be great for us. We got a lot of young talent uh, that's to be developed and we'll definitely help them out, um, get a lot of protection um, and assignments lined up uh, each week. Um, a lot of our meetings with them um, consist of us learning together. And so it definitely helps me learn their responsibilities, but it also allows them to teach um, and to learn as well. Um, we'll have a lot of young talent, and I'm excited for them. Uh, as you mentioned, we have one starter coming back, but there's a lot of guys that need to step up, and I think it will be a good challenge for them, a good opportunity. What better way to open WAC play than to play your in-state rival in Utah Tech? What does this rivalry do for your fan base? It's one that when we posted the football schedule many months ago before it was changed, that got a lot of traction with Southern Utah, Utah Tech. How excited are you for that rivalry and to open up WAC play in such a fun fashion? For our fan base, they see it as the Cedar Redmen versus the Dixie Rebels, which all those names have since been changed. Um, but, but my push to have it named the um, Politically Correct Bowl got turned down. Um, but we're excited. Uh, and, and attempt to be funny. Everybody back home will get a reaction to that. Those are the two high schools, fierce rivals. Um, but it's a good time. For, for the natives in Cedar and the natives in St. George, they'll get excited for this. It, it'll be something that they can get up for. Um, we may be, we may break we may break the university's attendance record on september 24th um it'll be exciting it'll be an electric environment and not only that you get to play them twice you have that twice on the schedule how exciting is that to be able to play a home game and an away game get both fan bases involved and you know you guys are pretty close by so i'm sure you guys will travel to both i'm a football coach so i'll get real excited about it if we win both of them so if, if you go one and one you know it's a little bit like kissing your aunt um but, but if you win both of them it's a good thing 
Zach, you're from Maryland, so I know that in you, your first year at Southern Utah, but to be a part of this rivalry that has so much history, that has such an electric fan base, what are you most looking forward to about some of these big matchups, big rivalries this year? Um, first and foremost, I'm uh, excited to be a part of it. Um, the guys have kind of brought me into some knowledge about the, the, the rivalry, so I'm excited. Uh, I see that it's going to be extremely fun, extremely um, competitive, and I can't wait to play them twice, actually, um, now that we find out. Um, so very excited to be a part of that rivalry um, and can't wait to get it started and going. Justin, for you, of course, as quarterback, how excited are you for this rivalry? What are you most looking forward to and in maybe different from years past? I think just being so close uh, geographically will be really competitive. Um, we got a lot of guys, and I'm sure they do too, that travel back and forth. Uh, there's lots of things to do down in St. George, and so um, we're very familiar with the area, um, obviously 45 or so miles apart, but I think we were scheduled to play them in 2020 before the season got canceled. I think everybody was really excited for that, and then uh, finally getting the chance to play them will be really, really fun. Uh, and, and twice, especially now that we almost get a makeup game for that 2021. <laughs> Absolutely. And Coach Fitzgerald, it is a young team. There's lots of freshmen on this roster. I think counted 40 freshmen on the roster. Who are you going to have to rely on? Is it these two guys and who additional players to navigate this new era of Southern Utah football? Yeah, we're the we're the youngest team in the country. Um, we're, we're not only the youngest team in the conference; we'll be the youngest team in FCS football this year. Uh, we're going to play more new players, uh, eleven straight weeks this year than, than anyone else in the country is playing at the FCS level. Um, we understand that. Um, very, very aware that that we're a year or two away from being competitive. But what we're going to do is is we're, we're going to do our best each day and just let the cards fall where they may. Zach, as a senior, it's your first year with Southern Utah, but you are one of the older guys on the roster. How do you take that responsibility of being a newcomer, trying to learn the system, although you do have a pretty good grasp on it, being that you have worked with Coach Fitzgerald in the past. How do you take on that role and lead some of the younger guys? I think uh, Justin can vouch for me here. We take it as a, a challenge to bring the guys together, um, especially a lot of the younger guys that we know can help us. Um, so we take it as a challenge to get these guys on board and get them rolling so not only we can be successful but be successful as a team and together um, and bring it more together as a brotherhood than anything um, and I think that's one of the most important things that we have going for us as far as bringing all these guys together as one so we can be successful. Justin, we talk about building culture and having that strong brotherhood. I think it's easier said than done. How do you go about building that brotherhood so that when you guys go out there you are truly going to battle for each other each game yeah it's definitely easier said than done um i think one thing that's really helped us is some of the transfer that we brought in um zach being one of them that's been huge for the defense um being a great example great leader for the defensive line especially but the rest of the team um we got some other guys uh mitch price um Steve Jenkins, just some guys that have played college football, know what it takes, um, but can really be an example and be a leader to the younger guys, uh, get us going in the right direction. Coach Fisher, a last question for you. First year in the WAC, what do you hope to establish this team as by the end of those 11 games? Yeah. 
we, we're going to hope as a coaching staff and a program to build something each day and each week, you know, build something that, that where we can be pretty good in years going forward and just try to get a little bit better each week. Um, you touched on this a little bit. Um, there's a lot of unknowns for us this fall. Uh, travel, so we're, we're traveling to places we've never been to, playing in stadiums we've never been to, against universities that we've never played against. Um, it, it'll be exciting. It, it'll be fun. Um, but we, we think we're a couple of years away. How does that change the way that you go into each game, being that it's so different, everything is so new each and every week? Uh, well, as a college football coach, college football is better than pro football. Uh, you throw fo pro football in on Sundays, and every single offense is the same, and every defense is the same. Every kickoff and punt look exactly the same. Well, in college football, each and every week, every single thing is different. Um, and then the, the Texas coaches like to tell us in the coaches' meeting this morning how they're all running the same offense. Well, nonsense. Everybody's offense in this conference is different. Everybody's offense on our schedule is different. So, so there, there, there's – there's newity, there's nuances each and every week that we've got to get prepared for. Um, hey, maybe, maybe the charter flights and the hotels may be the most consistent thing we do. Uh, I can tell our players now we're going to eat the same darn thing every single Friday night and every single Saturday morning. Zach already knows the meal he's getting, chicken breast, macaroni and cheese, and green beans every Saturday morning. So have the, the old players contact me and said they wake up on Saturday mornings craving chicken breast, macaroni, and green beans and salad. <laughs> So, but that's what we're getting. But that, that, that may be the uh, that may be the familiarity that we do have, the things that we can control. You gotta have some familiarity there. So if it's with the food, it's with the food. Coach Fitzgerald, Zach, Justin, I want to thank you all for speaking with me. I'm going to turn it over to our media relations, Tony Jones, who will allow some of the rest of the media to ask you all some questions. question for coach Fitzgerald you know obviously this is your first season at the helm of the program so what specific goals and expectations have you set not only for this season but for your players as well yeah, our goal and expectation is that we're going to show up each day and be a little better than we were the day before. I'm going to keep repeating that. It'll be the same thing November 19th that it is right now, which is the last game of our season, uh, for us to show up and get 1% better. I, I'm, I'm not a very smart guy, so let's, let's keep the math real easy. Uh, we'll have 110 guys on the roster if each and every guy on the roster plus uh, 15 coaches. So it's 125 total. If all of us show up and get 1% better each day, how much better are we as a program at the end of the day well it's easy it's 125 percent we do that day after day after day and hey maybe we're formidable in the month of november right now we're not and we understand that we've got to get better each day and that's going to be the goal this is a question for both uh both coach fitzgerald and zach so obviously both of y'all made the transition from frostburg and were highly successful while you were there uh, what are the biggest challenges or changes that you anticipate moving up to the division one level I'd say um, we touched on it a little bit earlier, trying to get everybody on board. Um, it's going to be tough. We're, we're expecting it to be tough. Um, so getting everybody on board and um, getting them in the right direction as far as um, this team goes is going to be huge for us um, coming into this, this season. And I feel like once we do that, we'll be 20 steps in the right direction as far as where we want to be. Um, Moving up from Frostburg to here, uh, I see it as a as a blessing myself and, uh, personally, um, and as a challenge. Um, and I can't wait to you know prove 
know, to, you know, the WAC conference and everything in front of us right now, you know, what, what we can do and um, how we're going to, the little things we're going to do to get this thing rolling. So I can't wait to prove what we got going on. It's going to be something real and something authentic. I, um, I played FCS football, uh, so the size and speeds, speed won't be a surprise to me. Is it going to be different than some of our opponents in the past? Yes. Um, there will be a size, speed, a little bit of a skill difference. Um, people that are sitting watching college football, what they don't understand is that some of the Division three players, NAIA players in the country, they, they, their skill level is, is as good as any level. What they lack is is they're not as long, as not, they're not as fast, they don't change directions as well, they don't have the hip explosion that FCS players do so that that'll be a little bit of a change I'm not going to be surprised I, I played at James Madison um, coached at James Madison so I've seen it done about as well as it can be done at this level and then also at UT Martin which is a really good FCS program um, I, I, I expect it to be more exciting I expect more fans to be in the stands I expect it to be louder those things will be a bigger change for us than the speed and height difference a question for both Justin and Zach. So, I mean, we've touched on this some, but with all the new players coming in, all the transfer additions, what specifically have y'all done to work to build chemistry, and how do you think the team is coming together at this point in time? I think we're definitely coming together. Uh, one of the things that we've done on offense um, is just meet together, uh, meet together, talk about football. Um, yeah, it's great to go out and hang out, um, golf, or go play spike ball or whatever it is but one of the best ways to just build chemistry together is to talk football um, talk football talk our playbook teach each other um, and just spend time with each other in football um, doing workouts whatever it may be but that's that's one of the things that I love to do anyway and so bringing guys along to do that um, is a lot easier in my opinion than going out and trying to do a bunch of extra stuff and um, trying to do extracurricular stuff when you can just focus on football with everybody. Um, Justin touched on it a little bit. Being together every day, um, lifting together, meeting together, uh, running together, uh, whatever it may be. Um, me personally, meeting with you know the D line and then bringing that together with the linebackers and the safeties and the corners, getting with everybody every day and trying to be um, more collectively sound as a unit. Um, is what's huge for us right now and what's going to um, help us be a little bit more successful on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the more we're together and the more we play together um, is going to determine how successful we're going to be as a unit. So that's very important um, for this whole summer is being together and training together and knowing what the, not, what the guy next to you is going to do on this play and the play after um, is very important um, on the defensive side of the ball right now question for Zach. Um, so you kind of just touched on it, but obviously you and Francis Beamy will likely be two of the centerpieces on the on defense, um, not only on the D-line, but in defense in general. So do you want to just talk about that relationship between you two and how y'all have worked together? Um, I met Francis probably three or four months ago, um, and he's like a brother now. We spend every day together. Um, we're in the weight room at the same time together. We're in our second workouts together at the same time. We run the defensive line room together. We run the defensive end meetings together. Um, it's it's been a blessing to have Francis in my life, um, and I've been fortunate enough to have a couple other guys in my past that are just like Bimmy, that are brothers and um, love football and love 
to get better every day and let's uh, not only push ourselves to be better, but push the other guys around us. Um, so Francis is a huge blessing for me um, as far as what we're trying to do in the defensive line room. So glad to have Bimmy, you know, as a partner in crime as far as what we're trying to do here um, in this next year. And it's both our last year. Um, so we're, we're expecting a lot out of ourselves as far as leadership goes, um, production goes, and um, whatever else it may be that is in front of us. Um, so very excited um, what, we, what we can do and what we can have the other guys do as well. Um, so shout out to Francis. <laughs> A question for Coach Fitzgerald. You know, obviously you've talked about how you've had transfers consistently coming in throughout the offseason. Um, so how I talked about that. <laughs> that might have been previous. Justin keeps bringing it up <laughs> because I forgot to tell him not to. Uh, but how uh, how impressed with you have you been with with how how much improvement your group has made as as a whole unit um, throughout the offseason leading up to beginning of practice. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about these two. One of the reasons these two were asked to, to join us today here and, and that they're here is, is their leadership. They're the two leaders on our team. The, the two young men that, that, that have brought, and Zach's done a great job of trying to bring the defense together. Justin's done a great job of trying to bring the offense together. I would say these two young men up here have done as much to bring our football team together and has done a, have done as much to coach our football program as our coaching staff has. Um, just really, really appreciative of the hard work that they put in and the leadership that they provided for our younger guys and our so-called transfers that you guys are talking about. Yes, I ducked the question. All right, looks like we have no further questions at this time. Once again, Coach Delane Fitzgerald, thank you so much for joining us. Zach Strand, Justin Miller, we appreciate you guys being here. We are so excited for your first season in the WAC. Thank you for having us. Go Thunderbirds. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.